Hello, and welcome to the Translation Company Talk, a weekly podcast show focusing on translation services and the language industry. The Translation Company Talk covers topics of interest for professionals engaged in the business of translation, localization, transcription, interpreting, and language technology. The Translation Company Talk is sponsored by Hybrid Links. Your host is Sultan Ghaznawi with today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Translation Company Talk podcast. We are back after a short break as I was very busy in September. September and October are generally busy months as people return to work from holidays, conferences are in full swing and work piles up quickly. In any case, we are back with another episode and today I'm excited that we will be covering the subject of embracing automation in the language translation process. I'm sure you all know that AI has been around in the form of machine translation in this industry for what it feels like a couple of decades already. We will be exploring automation beyond that in our conversation today. My guest today is Matija Kovac. He has successfully founded two companies, a language school which became to be the biggest language school in Slovenia and a translation platform. His first love is languages. He has studied Chinese language and spent some of his time studying in China. His other love is development. He's been developing since high school and is the development father of Taya. Mattia and Marco founded Taya to enable a more secure and time-efficient translation process. Seeing that sending files over email can be a security threat, they decided to create an app with a huge emphasis on keeping the files secure. Since its first launch, the Taya app is consistently developing, creating new features to enable companies in an easy ordering process while being able to oversee all projects. The translation process is supported by the latest translation technology which enables getting translations up to three times faster than, than usual in a cost-effective manner. Welcome to the translation company Talk Mattia. How are you today? Hi Sultan, thanks for having me. Please tell us about yourself and, and what you do. So, hi, my name is uh, Mattia. I come from Europe, from a small country called Slovenia. Um, and I'm by education a language professional, but by profession, I am a developer. I am a head of uh, development style translations, a startup that I co-founded. And we are focusing on building a platform for automation in the localization industry. So we try to help clients who need translation services, get them as fast and as efficiently as possible by leveraging high level of automation with the human in the loop process. Very, very exciting. I would love to hear a lot more about that. Uh, how long have you been in this industry, Tim? So I started working on my first startup in 2014, and that was a language school. And a few years after we started, a lot of our clients were looking to, um, if we can handle their translation services as well, so I think in about 2016, something like that, we started working more seriously on providing translation services. And then in 2018, we realized that there's no way to start a business or there's no, no need for another LSP on the market. But there's a huge demand for, um, there's a huge gap between what the technology can allow and uh, can be done with and what the market is actually offering. So that's how we started working on what is now known as Taya. Please share a few words, uh, if you will, about your journey in the localization space. Uh, what were some of the most significant observations that impressed you, uh, speaking from a technology perspective, of course? Mm -hmm. So, it, as I mentioned already, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a nerd. I, I love computers and everything related to, to coding. Um, and I've been working on this for a while, so it was very shocking to me when I learned uh, back in the day that a lot of the translation industry still relies on sending content around via emails and pre preparing quotes for clients in so like software that requires a lot of manual work. Sometimes companies even still use Excel to, to build a quote for, for each client separately every time. And this is like the, the, the amount of um, wasted human time and potential that I saw in the industry was what uh, drove me to start working on this platform. So it was my initial idea that we should automate as much of this as possible to allow for people to have a better lifestyle so they can work on things that are more interesting and not do 
repetitive monkey tasks every day. Uh, let, let's talk about the topic uh, of our conversation. You mentioned automation. Uh, mm -hmm. It has made significant progress in translation and localization. Uh, almost all of us have embraced it in executing translation work. Tell me how are we using it in processes around translation and, and the language services? Right. So, yeah, when we started, there was like neural machine translation was something that was almost brand new. If you remember, it was I think it was 2016 when first actual neural machine translation engines um, came out on the market and adoption was very slow in the early stages. There was a lot of machine translation already in the past, but mostly it was based on older technologies like statistical models. And even in the recent years, finally, companies are catching up and starting to use this. But this is just one part of the entire translation process. So if you imagine how um, a client would order translation services with an LSP, um, a lot of this is, is what the translators are doing. And this is now finally being uh, you know, sped up with, with all the assistance from neural machine translation so translators can work faster. But then there's this whole part all around this that's not done by translators or other vendors, but it's actually done by project managers and administration and vendor managers and so on. And this is something that, in my opinion, is also has a huge potential for automation. We can we can make these things much faster. So if, if you were to identify at a high level what areas are mature to be automated within the language services delivery space, what would they be? Definitely, um, I think uh, processing of files is something that we're doing very well in our end. I can't speak for other uh, competitors in the market, but at Taya, I know this is something that our clients really like, um, that when they drag and drop a file into the app, immediately in seconds, they get a fully analyzed uh, document, a, a full analyzed report, so they know exactly how much uh, translation memory is being used, how much are they going to need to pay for the project and even when it's going to be delivered um, and this is one part that's not automated with all the providers or most of them and is something that um, works well for us this is something that our clients uh, like because it's very transparent they just drop the files and they immediately know how much it's going to cost them and when they can expect it but then there's other areas as well like how you manage the project how you manage your vendors how you manage your administration um, we have a lot of already in place, but still there's a long road ahead of us of what else we can automate. So please explain, how do you see applying automation and the project management models that uh, most translation companies use today? Well, this is, uh, well, uh, I, I don't want to explain too much. Maybe I would give away some, some company secrets. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing we're looking at is um, predictions on which translators um, are most likely to accept a job and are going to also perform well on this job. Um, this is the part we, we're looking into how to automate. Um, we don't have this fully solved yet, but it's definitely a, an, an interesting area for us because uh, you lose even less time by allocating a job to the right translator if you are able to predict whether or not they will be available or not for this task. Um, but then there's other stuff also in the vendor management process because when you start onboarding thousands upon thousands of vendors, uh, there are certain tasks that could be automated and sped up um, in order to make sure that you are working with the right people at the right time, right? Absolutely. So when it comes to production models, uh, there are so many things that can be automated. It's not just simply the, the task of, uh, for example, uh, the handing off and handing back in of, mm -hmm. of the work. Can you elaborate a little bit on what specific activities have you been, managed to successfully automate? Oh, that's a, that's a difficult question because there's uh, so many little, little points there, uh, so many different things we do. And there's so much more we have planned still, um, but uh, how how to go about this? Well, well definitely one thing that um, saves us a bunch of time and our clients really appreciate is um, the full-on automated updating of translation memories, depending on what's going on with the project. So our PM doesn't have to do as much work on uh, gathering the right TMs. Uh, and, and cleaning up those TMs and, and pushing them back into the system. 
this part is mostly, if not entirely automated in our case. So as long as we handle the process inside our platform, which means that everything is translated, revised and proofread inside our, our ecosystem, the TMs are going to follow this entirely automatically. And you can see it all in different stages. Um, so there's quite quite a big advantage here. So this is uh, the type of automation that happens behind the scenes where uh, a PM, for example, clicks a button and then something happens and it, the system comes back with some sort of a result. Now, do you know if our industry has implemented robotic process automation or RPA for short to automate mundane project management or vendor management activities? I'm not familiar with this expression, though. I don't think it's very common in our industry. It's, it's more uh, common in, in manufacturing industries, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so would, would you mind maybe explaining a bit more um, what, what kind of tasks do you have in mind that could be uh, performed by, by this sort of process automation? Well, uh, as far as I'm familiar with the RPA, it's a software-based automation where uh, you can actually tell the software, this automation software, what to do with the user interface of another software. For example, you can mm -hmm. teach it to check my email, check new orders from customers. If an e email looks like this is, this is an order from a customer, read it and log it into this uh, ERP system that I have. And mm -hmm. from there, uh, identify the language. And from the language, obviously, the ERP will give you a list of vendors. And mm -hmm. these are my top five vendors, for example. Send an email to these top five vendors for that specific language. And by the time you come in the morning, most of the work is done for you. It's as if the software replaced uh, one of the project managers who would be doing all of this clicking back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I haven't implemented this, but I have a deep interest in RPA. Um, is this something you're familiar with? Do you think that it has a place for uh, automation in our industry? Definitely has. <clears throat> like any industry these days, in our industry is, is not secure from uh, automation. In fact, it's much needed uh, because there's still so much manual work going on. Um, and yeah, I, I think what you just mentioned definitely covers part of what we already do at Taya and even other companies do it successfully, and it can be extended even further. So one way to go about this is um, by building different integrations into different uh, systems. So, so one thing we do, for example, is we connect with our clients' uh, databases or uh, ERP systems or, or um, e-commerce platforms or whatever they're using to manage their content. And when they require a certain uh, type of translation, they or even if they just like input a new product description, it would automatically be sent over the API integration to our system, and our system would analyze it. And depending on what the language combination is and what the type of content is, a different type of service would be ordered. In some cases, you would go with a full-on translation, editing, and proofreading. In some cases, you would go with something faster and cheaper because you don't have such high requirements. And when we are done on our end with the process, so basically when the translator is done with the project and the PM checks the file, the, 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 the project and marks it as complete, it's automatically um, sent back via API to the client's platform, formatted correctly and already available on their website or whatever they're using. So this is like, basic API integrations, well, not so basic, it gets kind of complex when you go deeper into it. Um, but we're, a, a lot of us in the industry, and specifically us at Taya, we do a lot of this on a daily basis with a bunch of clients. Um, and there's more of this and the, the demand is definitely growing. So this is something we're seeing already. But what you were mentioning is something even more general. It's like uh, including you're probably familiar with Zapier and similar tools that are very easy to use for day-to-day -day users. Something like that, right? An integration with Zapier that would allow you to set up uh, a basic bot that's going to do something depending on what you put the parameters on, right? Absolutely. So I mentioned vendor management. Speaking of which, it is an area where there's a lot of repeat and mundane work which can and should be automated, in my opinion. How do you see automation providing value in the supply chain process? Well, one thing it does is it brings down the cost. So at Taya, we're all about lean 
uh, development don't do costs that are not required so we can keep the prices competitive and we can keep growing in the market and by keeping our costs down we can keep the costs down for our clients so by automating a lot of our work we we keep it more affordable to our clients and therefore everyone wins right um right. and uh, and in the end if we don't need 10 vendor managers but only need two um, to manage the same team of vendors and the same number of newly onboarded vendors, we've all won, right? It's it's better for everyone. Um, and even our vendors are happier, because, vendor managers are happier because they can um, focus on better tasks. They don't have to do click and repeat monkey jobs. They can do uh, more interesting things and actually put their time into working with the people that they're onboarding, right? So they develop relationships and all that. So this, I think this is the whole point of automation, actually, not only in our industry, but in the in the global idea of, of automation as a whole was supposed to be not to take people's jobs, but to make people's jobs more interesting so we can uh, work on the stuff where humans are actually needed and leave the stuff that's not interesting uh, to us, to robots or computers or however you want to call them. Um, and in vendor management, of course, you can do a lot of things. You can you can do testing, um, partly automated. You can do data collection and sorting and, and inputting, uh, partly automated. And uh, even all the way down to similarly what you do in digital marketing, where you have um, fully automated campaigns and a lot of times users are not even aware of that. You could even go so far and build relations with your vendors on that level. It, I don't prefer that, but technically it's totally doable, right? Absolutely. Now, uh, Mattia, uh, we talked about the value that automation presents to um, the language company side of things. Uh, now, can you please talk about how automating things in vendor management and project management improve the experience for translators and interpreters? You touched upon that briefly. But can you elaborate a little bit? Well, <clears throat> one thing we we did at Taya is that we keep everything in the same ecosystem. So if you imagine previously translators would need to either buy their own software or they would be provided with a copy of a software um, by the LSP that they're working with. And a lot of times vendors, translators, proofreaders and so on are um, freelancers who, who work uh, either from home or from a co-working space or something like that. And for them, keeping up with the new tech and keeping keeping their software updated and, and having 10 different CAD tools to use with 10 different agencies that they work with is probably a burden. That's one thing. And the other thing is it's also highly insecure. So when you, as a client, send your files via email to your local agency and that agency sends those files via email to the local translator and that translator works in their pajamas on a 10 year old uh, laptop that they don't regularly update and keep secure, probably in a public cafe or something like that, your files are not secure, not anymore, not at that stage. What we did at Taya is we streamlined the whole process. So everything the translators have to do is part of our platform. It's inside the same ecosystem. So they don't have to download the files. They don't have to store them um, on their hard drives. And they get to work in a cloud system, in a cloud platform that's always up to date and very fast and allows them to work much better than they would um, without a decent CAD tool or without any help from automation. Um, by our measurements, they are usually capable of working up to three to four times faster than they would translating manually. So if you take a regular business document, which is something we do on a daily basis, um, and let's say not very creative copy, just a contract or something that has to get done on a daily basis and has a lot of repetitive content, we can, with this level of automation, with TMs and NMTs and all of that, help them to translate much faster. So for translators, this is good because we pay them by the word. We don't pay them by the hour. Um, and they can work much more efficiently this way in a system that's always kept up to date for them and is always secure. So they don't have to burden themselves with security and all those issues. So this is one aspect, but there's probably more. 
Switching gears a little, Mattia, here, uh, we've talked about the, the translation process and uh, obviously what value automation can present on to both sides, the supplier and the buyer side. Now, automation and sales function has been a long-running offering. I mean, Salesforce and others have done a great job. Uh, how do you see sales automation creating value for translation companies? Oh, that's a... That's a very complex question, uh, and one I'd like to say see some answers to as well. So, uh, if anyone out there is listening to this, we we would love some experienced people uh, help us with our marketing and our sales because it's not that we're not doing well, but we can always do better. Um, and I love to learn new stuff. And here, I think I'm I'm at a, at my um, at the end of my rope when it comes to my skills for for sales automation. So, but let me let me try to walk you briefly through what we do. Um, we we <clears throat> try to um, run marketing campaigns that are very targeted, um, and we try to automate a lot of the lead generation process and and all of that that's going on, and therefore deliver um, higher value leads directly to our sales team. So one thing we try to do. Um, is to uh, keep our sales team occupied with uh, warm leads and not get them to do cold calling so much. Um, and there, that's how they can convert better and work with people and invest their time into people who are actually interested in our product and are actually interested in changing their language service provider or whatever that they're using at this stage. Um, but that said, it's a very complex industry. It's extremely fragmented. Um, you're going to find clients who have 5,000 or more employees and don't have a, a translation or localization system in place, even though they should. But on the other hand, you might find very small startups um, who are very, uh, very well educated when it comes to localization and have dedicated teams localization managers, they already have their um, software in place. And for us, it's kind of uh, one of the major issues at this point, and I'll be honest about it, is finding the right type of client because we work with both very small companies and huge multinationals. We work with companies in um, very modern software as a service or tech industry or something like that. But a lot of times we work with very traditional uh, clients like manufacturing companies and, and so on. And it's it's really like there's no safe spot to say this is exactly our client and that's how we can automate the sales to, to get them. This is something we're quite honestly still struggling with. Let's uh, switch gears again a little bit and talk about automating management processes and reporting, analytics, if you will. This is an area I think that almost every industry is mature in terms of uh, getting some degree of automation done. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts? Well, first thing you need to do is gather your data. Um, that's that, that's something we had to work around as well. So um, <clears throat> even though we try to keep everything in the same platform, there's still, you know, marketing runs in five different tools, sales uses four different tools, um, other teams use other tools. So you need to, usually what you would do is either um, find tools that can be connected well and go with something simple, like, uh, for example, we use Google Data Studio because it's, free, it's easy to set up, it connects with a bunch of things, and it allows us to build interactive dashboards where we can find our all of our numbers, all of our KPIs, all important statistics um, in the blink of an eye for the entire company. And we've set this up uh, in recent months and it's working very well for us. But the next stage is definitely then to build a decent data warehouse to, to go with a proper um, BI tool that's going to help you to analyze things much better, um, and to make data-driven decisions, right? Because we are in the era where, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> excuse me, um, we're in the era where you need to make decisions very, very carefully and selectively. Otherwise, you can end up with wrong decisions. And in this day and age, with a, such a competitive and fast-evolving market, that can be very costly. Uh, so yeah, data-driven. Make sure you have your um, your your data stored and uh, prepared correctly, and then go into analyzing it. Um, when it comes to reporting, I am a big fan of automated reporting. Uh, 
the one thing I hate most is when you're working in a corporation and you spend half of your day preparing reports for your middle management, the senior management that usually no one ever reads because they're too busy making their own reports for their middle management and so on and so forth up the chain. Um, so this is something we definitely still can avoid at this stage because we're still a very small company. Um, but I hope we can avoid it also in the future and keep most of reporting and data gathering um, automated as much as possible. Besides productivity gains, uh, Matteo, what else can automation offer to translation companies? It's not only about productivity and keeping uh, F, uh, costs and time uh, required low. It's also about increasing quality, right? Um, so very old technologies back in 90s or even sooner maybe already allowed for um, translation memories to be used uh, and to help th keep things more um, consistent across the board so if you have multiple translators working on similar projects sharing a, a common translation memory can help them work more consistently and, and provide a more consistent um, quality translation but um, in recent years, with the rise of AI and, and neural networks, um, what we see is also a huge potential in helping translators find better ways to express something or helping them keep the grammar correct. And not only that, but also come up with creative new ways of saying things. And by gathering all of this data with this new um, new uh, class of AI with transformer models, you can also generate a bunch of cool content. We've all seen uh, last year what GPT-3 did as a very impressive uh, newcomer to, to the industry. Um, but even from here on, there's, there's already talk about way more sophisticated models that are going to help uh, not only translate, but also generate content um, or recreate it if you want. Re, how's it called again? Transcreation, right? That's right. Uh, yeah. This podcast is made possible with sponsorship from Hybrid Links, a human in the loop provider of translation and data collection services for healthcare, education, legal, and government sectors. Visit hybridlinks.com to learn more. So th that represents an opportunity for even new sub-industries or sub-sectors to form within the translation and localization industry. Talk to me about some of these. Where do you see automation playing a role? I mean, if we're talking about neural nets or uh, uh, machine learning in general, uh, what type of opportunities it presents for translation companies to reformulate what they are doing and offer a mm -hmm. business solution? We've already seen this in the market in the last years. Some of the existing LSPs already started also working on um, data annotation services. So when when you have a bunch of data that someone needs to label and make sure that um, it can be used for, for uh, training a new AI. And since um, a lot of this data is usually in, in form of texts and you have LSPs on the other hand who already have an army of freelancers already working with them and they have all of these processes in place. Um, they're quite, uh, for, for, for an LSP it might be quite a good way to pivot into something uh, like this. And we've seen cases of this in the last years. Uh, but there's, like you said yourself, with the growing industry and growing technology, um, there's new niche products coming in that weren't even uh, available a few years ago. And I'm really excited to see what else companies are going to come up with and what new business models can be uh, evolved out of this. How do you implement a vision that's based on a combination of manpower and automation? Uh, where does this thinking come from? I think this um, there's there's been a lot of talk and uh, a lot of hatred going on uh, against automation in, in our industry specifically, but in other industries as well. And as I mentioned previously, I think the whole point of automation is to to make human lives more meaningful and we've been doing it since the neolithic since we started uh, settling down and becoming a civilized society we've always found ways to make our work our labor less intensive and made tools and made other things that help us and essentially i see ais and automation as just another tool that's going to help us do things it's a very revolutionary tool but so was the wheel and so was a steam engine. And they made a lot of people 
to have to change their lives. But you can't stop this. There's no way you can you can stop um, this sort of technology from being developed. If we are not going to develop it, someone else is going to. If if people who have uh, moral standards or high moral standards are not the ones working on this, someone with lower moral standards is going to, and they're gonna wreck havoc even worse. So we we need to embrace it. We need to learn about it, not be afraid of it and find ways how to adapt our lives to to work with it. There's no other way around it, right? Um, and we've seen this going, this process has been faster and faster and faster in recent years and generations. Um, but all in all, I think it's, uh, we're on, a, on the brink of, of a very new era where a lot of our jobs are going to change dramatically. And some for the better, some, or the worse, I guess, some jobs that exist today are not even going to exist in 20 years. But it's the same thing if you look 20 years back. Jobs from 20 years ago don't exist anymore. No one fixes fax machines, right? They don't exist. They are out of date. Um, and we we need to learn how to live with that. It's just that thing. So if there's a piece of advice, start learning, start uh, researching. Don't be afraid to to delve deep into this technology because it's not as scary as it seems on the surface. Um, and for God's sake, make your children go study computer science or something because we are in high demand of developers and engineers Absolutely. as a society in whole. Yeah, so just to add to your comment, I think as an industry, we also have a responsibility to um, to make people aware of what technology and automation is and, and that they shouldn't be scared. I mean, some of our mega conferences, without naming any of them, uh, keep talking about the low-level implementation of, um, for example, different types of algorithms without telling people what business cases can be created from the, these new technologies. And uh, unfortunately, everyone is talking about the how, not not a lot of people are talking about the what, like what can we sell with these new possibilities available. So anyway, uh, that leads to my next question. In order to implement automation, um, do you think it's necessary to bring outside help in the form of consultants or other people who are familiar with the automation uh, technologies? Well, it, it really depends on the resources a company has. So a very large company is most likely going to look into acquiring a smaller competitor who has this kind of R&D development already established and has this, uh, this, kind of comp uh, this kind of engineering already available. A much smaller company probably can't even afford um, building their own technology, so they're going to have to outsource it to a consultant and, and outsource it to existing software in the market. And somewhere in the middle, you can most likely go into developing partially your own custom solutions, but those can be extremely expensive. Um, and yeah, going with the help of some advisors. Uh, in our case, we obviously, our goal is to develop technology that we can then use and also sell onwards. So we have our own development team. We, we work very closely um, on doing this uh, ourselves and keeping the knowledge in-house. Um, but when necessary, we're not afraid of engaging with advisors who are uh, much more experienced than we are in my even bring us a lot more new knowledge to to um, to our game. So, yeah, that's um, there's there's no best way to do it. You know, it really depends on on what what the issue is and what are your resources. Let's let's take a, a look at our industry from the outside. Are there examples of uh, organizations that you know of in our industry that have successfully adopted automation? And and if so, in your opinion, what type of gains are they reporting? I, I think there are a lot of them. I mean, there's so much going on in, in, in our industry in recent years. If you just look at the number of mergers and acquisitions in the last year, when it was a COVID year, and, and I know a lot of things were stuck because of all the lockdowns, but there were over, I think, 8 billion euros of worth of transactions and about 39 different mergers and acquisitions going on. So this definitely shows that the market is very, very vibrant when it comes to acquiring new technology or acquiring competitors. Um, so I think what's, what's happening, in, in, uh, at least in my opinion, is that older players who have been on the market for a longer period of time and are very big and, and 
well spread, don't have um, such a good insight into what the technology is capable of or haven't been up to date, haven't been evolving as fast as they should um, to keep up with the recent technological developments. So how they're compensating for is, is that they're acquiring younger companies who are more technically um, versatile and who know how to handle all these new technologies out there. Um, so it's it's kind of an opportunity for both of them. On the one hand, big players can stay up to date by acquiring younger uh, players who have this technology. And for younger players, it's a good way um, to consider as an exit strategy, I guess. We talked about this in general terms earlier, but what about uh, artificial intelligence and automation? I mean, you can automate things using rules and heuristics, but uh, AI completely uh, introduces a new paradigm here. I'm guessing machine learning can introduce a different dimension in the automation concept altogether. How do we prepare or even pioneer such solutions? Well, in, in a large way, we already do, right? So the, what, the one thing that we mentioned previously is the, the shift from statistical machine translation engines to neural machine translation engines, whereas like it only happened in the last five years. They didn't even exist before 2016. Neural machine translation wasn't even a thing. Um, and now, I mean, if, if you remember, Google Translate was a joke to a lot of people. And, and sometimes still it's, but the the quality of, of engines like that, this is just the most famous one or, or infamous, however you want it, um, it has grown tremendously. And I think what's happening is that the, by since the content is growing so fast, there's, there's huge, huge um, loads and loads of new content being generated on a daily basis. And with the availability of localizing this content, there will be the demand of localizing it because it's cheaper than any time in the past to translate it. So what's going to happen is that even though um, automation is going to take over a lot of the um, localization, it's going to take over um, the parts that are that wouldn't even get localized before. Um, the parts that even didn't even exist, like new content that's popping up over the internet on a daily basis, and stuff that was traditionally translated by LSPs and other providers is still going to get. So if you if you think, let's say legal documents, you you will probably not going to um, leave Google Translate to translate your entire mortgage contract, contract with your bank for your house, right? you probably want to have that translated correctly or whatever it is, whatever legal document you need. Same goes with uh, user manuals, for example. If, if you are producing a forklift and your translations are, are done with Google Translate and that forklift is going to murder someone on some workplace, then you will get into trouble. So that's where you will invest into human in the loop sort of translation. And this is where we come in. So we, we provide both, we allow our clients to select themselves. And this is the part I love the most because in the, in the old days, the agency would be the one telling you what kind of quality you need. Now it's the other way around. We let the clients decide what kind of quality they, they need and what their budget allows for. Um, and this is how automation then steps into all parts of the game. You can go full on automated if that's what you need, or you can go but partly automated, but still with the human in the loop process and go with that. And for me, that's the way it should be. Let's talk about some of the negative implications uh, that automation presents or causes. We know that automation can reduce manual labor um, because obviously it's taking away all the repetitive type of work. What else can it affect? Do you think that there are implications with regards to quality, with regards to acceptance and any other areas? Definitely, I, th I think one of the main issues we're, we're going to get into and we're already seeing it is over-reliance on automation. <clears throat> As um, automation gets good and better and better, we tend to rely more often on it, right? Um, I remember a very uh, common case was with self-driving cars when uh, I think it was Google who, who had one of the first self-driving cars and they gave it to a bunch of people and told them to use it 
but they need to keep their hands on the wheel at all times. Similarly, what you have to do in your Tesla still, right? Um, and they put cameras in the car as well. And in the first few hours, people were still holding hands on the steering wheel because they were not sure if the car is going to do the right thing. But after a day or two driving around in a car that does everything perfectly and never kills you, you sit down and you relax. And now you have all these videos on the internet of people using Teslas who literally sleep in their driver's seat uh, and let the car do everything for them. And that is a problem because technology it do doesn't matter which level we're talking about. Either is it self-driving cars who might get very, very dangerous and kill people, um, or if it's translation services, is you know it, it's it can always be flawed, just like humans can always be flawed, so is technology. We should not over rely on some things, um, especially in such early stages of this technology. Um, and we see a similar thing with translations. When you when we measure the distance um, our translators do, um, the better the machine translation output is, the lower the distance that they do when they translate something. So they, they get presented with a pre-translated piece of content, which they compare with the original segment. And if it's more or less correct, they're less inclined to fix it because it's more or less correct. And we can see that um, the level of engagement on the human side then starts dropping. So they would, uh, it's, it's very easy to let a mistake slip this way because you don't see it because you rely so much on the MT. You just go, okay, this is fine. Move on to the next segment. This looks fine. Move on to the next segment. And then you just skip it. You just don't see there's an, um, an error somewhere in the middle, right? Absolutely. So yeah, over-reliance is going to uh, be a problem that we're going to have to work around still. Well, I agree with you that uh, we are quite uh, some distance uh, away from level five uh, type of automation. We are still dealing with augmentation with humans. Now, uh, about implementing automation at organizations, uh, do they affect us on the client side, of course? How do we respond to the need for being faster and more efficient uh, as expected by algorithms implemented on our client side? That's a very complex question. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, I think there's only one way of going about it. So it, the time is here to automate or to be left behind. I think that the, the players in the industry who will adopt new technologies and will follow the trends and will learn and, and develop will be the ones surfing the new wave of automation and the ones who won't will be left behind and the tsunami that's coming is going to sweep them over. Um, so there's no other way around it, I think. So uh, just to reformulate that question, let's say if your client that has been sending you work for manual translation, all of a sudden implement their own algorithms, mm -hmm. where as a supplier of translation services, for example, or even in some cases interpreting, where would you add value now? Because the oh. way I see it, for example, if your client has some sort of a streaming service and before they, you had to translate the subtitles and now they've automated all of that, mm -hmm. uh, I see an opportunity where you can actually do a handoff of uh, automated translation Mm -hmm. to, to your company when the content is dealing with something very specialized and, and uh, you can just add value by correcting it and by augmenting what their algorithm has done. How do we go about doing that? Where, where uh, does an LSP pivot to uh, mm -hmm. or, or how do they pivot in order to make sure that they deliver the right type of value? Yeah, so an, an LSP is quite definitely going to keep being the human in the loop part. Absolutely. So if, if your client is is uh, let's like like you said your example is really good. You have a video content producer or a company that deals with that. They need a lot of localization. Previously, everything was done on manually, all the subtitling. Now the transcriptions and a lot of the subtitling is already fully automated, but it's not perfect. There's still a need for the human in the loop. At least for the next five years, we we see it will still be there. And depending on the type of content and the type of uh, users who will engage with this content, probably even much further into the future. So if, if it's uh, a YouTube video, more most people are perfectly fine with a with a automated CC, right? Um, but there's still some content where humans will always be present in the loop. So that's where an LSP can place themselves. The problem uh, which I see here is the one that you mentioned. If a client were to do this on their end, how do you then integrate with their system 
to make sure that you're compliant on your system. I look at it from the technical perspective um, because our um, at Taya at our company, um, our paradigm is that we are the ones who provide the, the, the technology. We're the ones who provide the platform for our users. We are capable of integrating with a bunch of different systems, but we rather keep everything on our end and get the clients to use our platform. Um, so yeah, if, if this were to happen to us, for example, if one of our clients, and we do subtitling, of course, as well, um, were to decide to automate it on their end entirely, and we were just a part of their loop, we could engage with them via an API and keep providing our human in the loop services. Um, but we'd rather see that they use our platform so we can keep um, everything on our end. It's easier for everyone. Yeah, that, that would be an ideal scenario. But let's talk about uh, where do we go from here? How does the next five year look like in embracing automation within uh, localization industry? Ooh, that's a million dollar question or even more. Uh, I, I, I'd love to give you an answer to that, but unfortunately I, I don't think I'm, uh, I'm well experienced enough for something like that. So definitely what's going on is the, um, the automation is going to take off a, a lot of work. Uh, users or companies uh, who didn't didn't use NMT are definitely going to start using it. New jobs are going to pop up, as we already mentioned. And I think the whole industry is about to to get uh, shook over and and swept over by this tsunami of automation. Um, what the end game will be? What will be the result of this? I think a lot of the players are going to go extinct. Um, there will be even more mergers and acquisitions coming in. Uh, a lot of uh, the market will probably consolidate because it's a very mature market, but it's extremely fragmented. So it will probably start consolidating even more. And we're already seeing this trend in the last years. And whoever is not going to automate is just going to be left behind. That's basically the, the point of this bet we're playing at. So that being said, do you think our industry is prepared to adopt automation at the scale that we are about to see? I don't think any industry is prepared to see what uh, what's coming in the next five years when it comes to automation. Uh, as I mentioned previously, just remember when GPT came out, even GPT-2, can you remember the type of content it was able to generate? And then number three was even more, and you know, it, 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 we can't even predict what we, what AI will be able to do for us in five years. It's uh, it's too far ahead for people who, like myself, who are not um, very very specialized in this research. Um, we're merely developers and consumers. We're not researchers, um, and there's quite a big of a gap there. Um, I don't think any industry is prepared for what's going to come. Um, it's uh, we're all going to have to embrace it or fail. And I think some players are much more, um, much well versed uh, in in this technology and will be able to support their clients' needs and support uh, their their growth um, by using this technology. But not everyone is going to be capable of doing this, obviously. Um, so, yeah, industry as a whole, definitely not. Some players, sure, yeah, definitely, yes. Uh, Mati, what's your message for our industry and, and your peers? Uh, what would you like to tell them about automation? Well, um, I, I think we've talked a lot about automation. We talked about how important it is to embrace the technology, how try not to be afraid of it, how try, let's try to work with it rather than against it. Um, but I think in the end, my message should be that um, it's not all about automation. It's uh, it doesn't matter what kind of technology your company has. If you don't know how to work with your people, if you don't know how to work with your clients and, and present a decent human connection, there's no way you can uh, keep your company successful or, or make it successful. It's I think with all the automation coming in, it's becoming even more important um, to focus on the human aspect of whatever business that we're working on. And I, I honestly hope, I sincerely hope that our generation will be able to, on the one hand, um, embrace new technologies like AI to help us work faster and more efficiently. Um, but on the other hand, to also 
live more meaningful lives that will allow us to go in for a deeper human connection and and work on a more we call it culture in our company what 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 we're developing but i think it's more of a mentality even it's it's more of a mindset so you 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 can find time to work with people and develop this deep relationship with them that's my, my idea here so Hopefully, we're going into this direction. The other, you, the other idea is just we're going into a dystopia, but <laughs> that would be more. I think we don't get there. Yeah. Matia, uh, I agree with you. Automation is the future in so many ways. And uh, I think our industry is also jumping on this bandwagon, and we must stay on top of the latest trends in this area. So hopefully, we can revisit this conversation again. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. And as I said, I'm hoping we can do this again in the future and uh, have you on another episode where you can talk about automation and what's happening. With that, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you, Sultan, for having me. This was a very engaging conversation and uh, I hope we get to talk again soon. Absolutely. That was a very interesting conversation with Mattia. I think he represents what our industry is undergoing at an early stage at the moment. As you heard, automation is perfect for offloading repetitive and mundane tasks from our human workforce to computer processors while freeing up our people to do more exciting things. You should ask yourself, why should your project manager spend his or her entire day copy-pasting when you could do that with an automation solution? Your project manager instead could be spending time talking to your client, providing the human touch and making them feel good about doing business with your organization. Automation does not necessarily mean loss of jobs, it simply means rebalancing of work. I think the reason why computers are good with automation is because they lack creativity, which is something needed for more exciting and important things and your people will enjoy working with people performing more challenging and unique tasks. This brings us to the end of this episode of the podcast. I had a lot of fun talking to Matija and learning from his experiences. I hope you also had a few action items that you could take and apply to your processes and your organization. If you found this conversation helpful, then you don't want to miss our future episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to the Translation Company Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your platform of choice. Give us a thumbs up or five-star rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode. 